What's up? What's up? This is Zach Boschman checking in. You're locked into the Citizen Truth podcast. We're honored today to have David Swanson on the podcast. David, let's get right into it. World War II is widely glorified in American culture. What are some of the major mainstream myths surrounding this war? Well, the most popular, of course, is that one side had benevolent motivations and the other side evil ones, uh, that in fact the United States and its allies fought the war principally uh, in opposition to the death camps and to save the victims, and in particular the Jews uh, from the death camps, whereas in fact in reality the war had nothing whatsoever to do with that and the U.S. government and its allied governments had uh, turned down, uh, refused to accept the Jewish and other refugees uh, from Germany for explicit racist and anti-Semitic reasons. So it's a complete invention after the war. Uh, but it's it's a load of, of a variety of myths that the war was a surprise, that it came out of nowhere, that it wasn't built up over decades of an arms race and, and, the, and the funding of the rise of the Nazis by US corporations right through the course of the war. That, that the racist ideology of the Nordic race didn't come out of the United States, that it was invented in Germany. Uh, that and it, a major one that the that the nuclear bombings of two cities in Japan saved lives were humanitarian action that that brought peace and prosperity and saved people rather than killing people uh, and and you know that uh, that that the United States principally won World War. Two in Europe, uh, that the Soviet Union was a bit player, uh, that the Soviet Union wasn't the top enemy of the United States through the war and beyond, uh, that in fact it was an ally and a partner uh, in every sense of the word. Um, and you know, and, and you put together all this package of lies and it's meant to justify war and it's used to justify war for 75 years after World War II. You ask people what justifies the top public program of the US government, the main thing we do as a people investing in war and they scream World War II for 75 years, as if we don't live in a completely transformed world of different systems of economics and law and, and international relations. And, and as if you can, you can take 75 years of wars nobody wants to defend and justify them with one war that happened before them all. It's, it's bizarre. You talk about in your book how in 1948 the Department of War was renamed to the Department of Defense. How has labeling military spending and actions as for defense made peace more difficult to achieve? Well, it subtly and non, not so subtly uh, convinces people that military spending isn't aggression, isn't uh, violent, isn't evil, is in fact necessary, uh, is in fact keeping them safe. Uh, and it's, you know, it's the, it's all the language of normalization of war, the, the thank you for your service and the defense department and the, the, allies defending against the the evil aggressors abroad uh it, it, you know and it's and it's so insidious and it's such a saturation level of advertisement and and propaganda that even peace activists 
talk about the defense industry, when they talk about protesting, risking prison to stop shipments of weapons, they talk, talk about themselves going up against the defense industry. You know, they, they, we've been brought to use the, the language, uh, you know, whereas, you know, one of the popular activist campaigns at the moment in the United States is to get the, the Congress just to say the U.S. won't use nuclear weapons first. Well, if it was an offense industry instead of a defense industry, how would it be any different when you're committed to using nuclear weapons first? That kind of brings me into my next question. I feel like we've all heard Americans say uh, we have to fight them there so we don't have to fight them here. Uh, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit on this myth. Well, of course, the United States, with that sort of propaganda, justifies the biggest military spending on Earth, almost equal to all the other countries put together, most of the other countries being allies and weapons customers of the United States. Uh, and other countries don't seem to have that justification, right? Uh, I mean, even... Uh, even Canada, which participates to a great extent in the in the war machine with the United States, it doesn't have anti-Canadian terrorist networks around the world uh, to generate them. It would have to go and bomb and invade and occupy numerous countries for numerous years. The war on terrorism has increased terrorism. Uh, clearly by uh, intent uh, or without concern uh, because it's been going on year after year after year. So this notion that you're not generating enemies, that you're somehow going out and finding pre-existing enemies and defeating them before they can come and get you. And this notion that, you know, somehow the, the Iranians with 1% of U.S. military spending or the Russians with 8% of U.S. military spending are going to come and invade and occupy your town and take away your freedoms. It's just madness. Um, in your book, you talk about some of the lies used to initiate um, previous wars. Um, I, I was wondering if you could speak on what some of those major lies have been um, in the past, say, 50, 60 years. <laughs> well, not unless we've got hours and hours <laughs> just, to just, do it. Uh, you know, give us a few, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, when, when very smart people were acting as if the lies about the Iraq War were that the 2003-2002 phase of the Iraq War were somehow unique and different by being lies, rather than being by poorly told lies by bad liars. Uh, I, I actually went and tried to find any war by any country at any time in the past that hadn't been propped up with lies and I couldn't do it. There isn't such a war, right? And, and so we, I mean, look at the lies flooding out of, of the US media, lies about chemical weapons attacks in Syria, lies about looming massacres in Libya, lies about Iranian threats and, and aggression and nuclear weapons programs. Uh, we, have, we have half the United States believing that Russia stole a US election and enslaved a US president. Uh, we have, we have a, a month ago, you couldn't suggest that, uh, that it was possible that the coronavirus pandemic originated in a weapons lab. 
Now it's the top acceptable theory in the corporate media. I mean, these sort of just fashion trends that have nothing to do with evidence or reality are imposed by people by a structure of, of media outlets dominated by, you know, companies I can count on one hand that are incredibly powerful and influential and, and, and so much so that people people don't don't know it uh, and imagine that US media is different from state media uh, and and that we're free and open-minded uh, and it sadly isn't the case um, that brings me to my next point um, you know we we have a cold war going on today are you concerned about uh, that we might go to war with China or, or Russia or Iran? Well, I don't use we to mean a particular 4% of humanity or government yeah. or military, but we as humanity are in fact in danger of war uh, and are in danger of nuclear apocalypse. Uh, and again, this is just a question of media fashion trends that people will tell you back in the 70s and 80s, there was a danger of nuclear apocalypse and that's behind us. Well, there's nothing in reality to suggest it's behind us. It's just not in the media. Uh, and for the Soviet Union and the United States to have gotten rid of the majority of their nuclear weapons, but still have enough to destroy the entire Earth many times over, I mean, it only takes once. Eliminating all life on Earth once is enough. It's not, it doesn't matter to me that much that they can't do it the same number of times that they used to be able to, right? And, and, and the scientists who set up the doomsday clock suggesting how close we are to nuclear apocalypse have it closer than ever at this moment to doomsday. Right. And and the 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 knowledge that scientists have of what even a limited nuclear war would do to the entire planet is worse than it's ever been before. And the the prestige is completely gone. The it, the career path within the U.S. military of dealing with the nuclear weapons is the career path for the losers and drunks and halfwits. Right. There's there's nobody wants that job. Uh, and the and the knowledge of that near misses. The accidents and misunderstandings that have almost killed us all. Uh, historians have, you know, built up quite a list at this point. So, yeah, we ought to be worried, and we ought to abolish nuclear weapons. Um, so, since I've been of voting age and before, uh, you know, we haven't been given a anti-war presidential uh, candidate. Um, for those of us who want peace. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, what's the best way to organize in 2021 and then maybe go a little bit into what the world but beyond war does. Yeah, well, I mean, I do get jealous when I see a country like Peru have a have a leftist candidate, at least on many issues, uh, better positions than is than are acceptable in U.S. politics. Actually, be given a chance at a you know a one on one competition with uh, with a right wing candidate uh, in the United States. That's not allowed. Uh, the media simply chose uh, that Bernie Sanders was was too good to be permitted, uh, and and even he required a great deal of pushing to make him an 
any way anti-war, and uh, and of course he hasn't been in the past uh, number of in the past half year since the new Congress. Uh, it's just not acceptable, and it takes. We'll never be given anything. We never get anything without a demand and organized, uh, concerted effort. Uh, and uh, it, it's going to take that. Um, but it's going to also take the understanding that elections are the smallest bit of it. Uh, that unless we have massive pressure uh, on society and on powerful people and institutions outside of elections, we won't get anywhere. And I think. The lesson from the Black Lives Matter movement uh, that you need, you need photos and videos of particular atrocities and you need protests and, and disrespectful, disruptive, interrupting protests uh, that force the issue. Uh, without those things, you aren't going to get anywhere. So we need we need the videos of the children being blown to bits in Palestine and Yemen and everywhere else. And we need the protests to force them into people's attention. Um, Otherwise, you know, we can we can forget it. And, and this is part of what World Beyond War works on. We're a global organization. You can go to worldbeyondwar.org and get involved in a local chapter in a campaign to win local steps like divesting public dollars from war profiteering, like closing military bases. And we go after national and international uh, decisions as well. We're going to be pushing with a summit happening in Glasgow later this year to get militarism included in climate agreements. You know, why is why is killing people so important that it can't even be considered uh, part of agreements to supposedly try to preserve the climate for for human life and other life on Earth? It's it's incredible. David, just one last question here, and I really appreciate your time today. Sure. Uh, do you have any hope for uh, a lasting peace in the near future? Uh, certainly, if I had zero hope, I wouldn't bother trying, but I, I'm not a magician or a forecaster or a predictor, and I don't think it benefits any of us to waste any time making predictions or debating whether we should be hopeful or gloomy. I think what makes you happiest and most fulfilled as a human being is to work on what we know we have a moral responsibility to work on, uh, win or lose. Uh, and that is to preserve life on earth. And that means taking on the twin dangers of nuclear apocalypse and climate and, and ecosystem collapse. Uh, and working on those things, you win little victories, you win little law, you, you suffer little defeats, uh, but you keep going, not because hope has won the, the, the prediction contest, but because uh, it's, it's greatly fulfilling and satisfying to do the work and you will be much less happy sitting around moaning and groaning or distracting yourself with, uh, with television and amusement parks. Awesome, David. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Zach Boschman here, co-owner of CitizenTruth.org. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Citizen Truth Podcast. 
The intro and outro song is Enthusiast by Tours and is provided via the Creative Commons license. Please subscribe and check us out at citizentruth.org.